Hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of my podcast. Today, I want to talk about Thailand, Thai food, and how the Thai government uses it as a diplomacy tactic. Thai restaurants. They're as American as apple pie, which is to say they're not actually from America at all, but Americans seem to love them anyway. Of course, it's not unusual that America has Thai restaurants. What's unusual is how many of them there are. To put things into perspective, there are about 300,000 Ethiopians living permanently in the U.S., and only about 500 Ethiopian restaurants. While the U.S. Thai population is almost identical, there are more than 10 times as many Thai restaurants. If you look at other population-to-restaurant ratios like Indian or Mexican, you can see the same pattern. There are way more Thai restaurants in the U.S. than you should expect. So, how did this happen? Well, it turns out the Thai government has actually been planning it for decades. The story starts all the way back in 1939, before Thailand was even Thailand. You see, as World War II kicked off and everyone began picking sides, Thailand wanted to be the prettiest girl at the ball. And of course, by ball, I mean international conflict, and by prettiest girl, I mean country allied with Hitler. But World War II was as much about hard power, like planes and bombs, as it was about soft power. The battles fought over culture. After all, having a strong national identity was essential to keeping up your country's morale, and everything from movies to grapefruit juice to Donald Duck got swept up in the war effort. Hoping to go toe-to-toe with this level of cartoon duck propaganda, Thailand's government decided to do a complete overhaul of their country's culture. Some of these efforts were to make Thailand seem more modern and westernized, like encouraging the use of western-style attire and eating utensils. But others were meant to create a new, cohesive national identity under the name of Thai. What was once called Siam was now to be Thailand, defined by its Thai people, a single Thai language, and maybe most importantly, Thai food. After all, One of the best ways to develop a sense of national pride was to center it around a national cuisine. So the government said to the people, Hey, you're Thai people now, and you love Thai food. And the people said, What's Thai food? And the government said, It's like noodles and stuff. And the people said, But we don't like noodles. And the government said, Yes, you do. And people said, Oh, I guess we do. And thus, modern Thai cuisine was born, including their new national dish, Pad Thai. Now, this relationship between the Thai government and Thai cuisine stayed strong, and it began to be used as a sort of international diplomacy, strengthening Thailand's influence abroad by turning foreigner stomachs into tiny Thai embassies. For many years, the government had been training chefs in special facilities to invade countries around the world armed to the teeth with work visas and coconut milk. But in 2002, they decided to kick their unique brand of delicious diplomacy into high gear, and launched their Global Thai program, which aimed to establish thousands of Thai restaurants around the world. Now, they couldn't do this entirely on their own, because no one wanted to bring their date to a chain restaurant called McGovernment-sanctioned Thai restaurant, so they came up with a clever solution. The Department of Export Promotion designed broad prototypes for these three styles of Thai restaurant. The first was Elephant Jump a fairly cheap, adaptable, and not super authentic restaurant where people would spend 5 to $10. The next was Cool Basil, a casual sit-down joint where meals were a little more expensive, somewhere between $15 to $25. The 
The last was called Golden Leaf, which was meant to be more upscale and authentic, with specific parameters for the types of art and fabrics that should be used in its decor. Thai restaurateurs from around the world could then purchase for one of these prototypes from the government, who would provide the entire restaurant, set up any business meetings, and even conduct research on local tastes, such as how much spice the locals could handle, what Thai ingredients appealed to their palates, and more. With the support of this program and a little extra grease from Thailand's banks, the number of foreign Thai restaurants tripled, with one of the biggest jumps happening in the United States. If your local Thai restaurant opens sometime in the last 20 years, there's a good chance that it's secretly one of these three government prototypes. Given the program's success, with Thailand seeing over 200% more tourism since it started, their government is more invested than ever in making sure their food is diplomatically delectable. Thai diplomats are tasked with the unique job of taste testing, monitoring the quality and authenticity of Thai restaurants across the globe. And if you thought the job of state-sponsored Thai food tasting guy was safe from automation, guess what? You're wrong. The Thai government also funded the development of a taste-testing robot to deploy abroad named E-Delicious, which can detect the authenticity of a dish's flavor, smell, and presentation, and then deliver a score, with any dish under 80 being deemed below the government's standards. So the next time you're served an underwhelming plate of Pad Thai, don't just ask for the manager, Ask for the Prime Minister. This has been a little bit about the Thai restaurant diplomacy tactic. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new. I definitely did while researching this topic. It's wild to see a country using restaurants as a global diplomacy tactic. But in my opinion, it's definitely working. What do you think? I think you should definitely leave a rating on this podcast and follow me on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and have a great day.